0: This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Brought to you by Betway.com. Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLING. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. My partner former NBA head coach with the Atlanta Hawks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Memphis Grizzlies, and now color analyst with the Los Angeles Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's Mike Fratello, who clearly enjoyed the all-star break. What what Do do I see something on your face there that I don't normally does, see? Does it look like I missed a spot, Jeff? Or is
1: that missing the whole face? Is that what it's called? Because A little bit, maybe. When I get a couple of days off, like all-star break, yeah. unless there is a... Very, very important reason to shave. I'd like to stay away from that because otherwise there's a lot of days that I'm putting the razor to the face. So took a little break here. I hope you don't mind.
0: I'm sorry. My apologies. Um, I did too, but nobody can tell, Mike. That's okay. the problem. <laughs> that's the that's problem with mine. Uh, a lot of things happened around the NBA over the All-Star break. We're going to get into the All-Star game, if we can call it a game. Michael Malone can't. And we're going to talk about the festivities a little bit. We're going to talk about when Mike coached the game, when people actually played in the game. I don't mean to bash the whole weekend, but we'll we'll talk about that. We're going to get into the Cavaliers bench. And we're also going to talk about why the Cavaliers bench is different. Mike, in our last uh, basketball goal, we talked about possible buyout with Kevin Love. That has now happened. Kevin Love is no longer a Cavalier. He is a member of the team chasing the Cavaliers. The Miami Heat have signed Kevin for the remainder of the season. Your reaction, first of all, to the buyout, and then we'll get into the Miami aspect of things.
1: I thought both sides handled it extremely well, meaning the Cavaliers and Kevin Love and and his um, agent, et cetera, that were all involved in this negotiation. I think they each sent the love that both sides have for one another clearly across and, Uh, Wasted no time in saying that they would retire Kevin's number and uh, how much they appreciated him and his contributions here and how he handled himself uh, once LeBron had moved on and the nucleus of that championship team uh, had moved on. Kevin was the new face. They rewarded him uh, with a tremendous contract and Kevin has been simply wonderful uh, his time in Cleveland. And I thought he did an incredible job last year and I I felt he should have been uh, the leading candidate, one of the leading candidates for a six man of the year award, which to me sounds kind of, well, after all those years, after mm. how many times being an all-star after winning world championship and now you say, oh, by the way, Kevin, you you really should be the sixth man of the year. Well, that was his role. And he he did it as well as anybody in the league did and he motivated the younger people and And tried to show them the way, uh, and they started out with an incredible, uh, surprisingly good season until some of the injuries just wound up catching up to them. But I'm glad the way both sides ended it as far as if it was going to end, and I was hoping that it wouldn't. I would hope that Kevin was going to finish out his last year here as a Cavalier. But without knowing what went on behind the scenes, who initiated uh, the talks about looking into the buyout, I was pleased there was no stone-throwing, rock-throwing. They wish him the best. He wished them yeah. the best, and they both seem to be pulling for each other. And uh, Miami uh, has needed another big all year long. Adebayo, their starting center, really could play power forward. If they had somebody else to play the five spot, I think they feel that Kevin could play the five or the four, and Adebayo would be alongside him. Adebayo, uh, obviously, the better athlete of the two, much younger. Uh, able to run the floor better. Kevin could be that trail big man coming down at the end of the fast break, knocking down threes for him. He'll do his share of rebounding for them, which is something that Miami sorely needed. And I think he'll be a perfect, perfect shot in the arm for them for the last
0: 2022 20, games of the season for the heat. The thing, Mike, that, that I wonder about, and I'm assuming because the Cavs, the Cavs make pretty good moves. I I'm wondering what what Kevin has left, you know, can he still play? Because if he could still play, and I hope for his sake he can, I would think the Cavaliers could really use him. The Miami Heat think, must think he can play because they brought him in and they're going to give him a, a chance to play. He could even could even get starters minutes there, Mike. As you said, they've been looking for another big man all year long. He, he could play a lot. And I think it's a chance for Kevin to go down there, show everybody – what he has left, you know, and if he has if he has enough left in the tank, well, he, he'd like to keep playing beyond. So, I would think Miami gets a very motivated Kevin Love here, and I, I wonder what that means if he goes down there and plays well, and the Cavaliers do not have him coming off their bench after doing that so well last year.
1: Well, let's keep in mind also that Miami has been a franchise that has allowed players, if they still have something left in the tank, to stay with the program, and you know. Alonzo Mourning, but how about Udonis Haslam? Yeah. What's Udonis now, 78, 79 years old? I do believe he is, yes. And he still still has a uniform every now and then at the end of the bench. He's an advisor uh, to the program. But, you know, they're loyal to their players. Uh, If if they think that in some way they can have a positive impact on the team, whether it's playing or whether it's practice every day or just the mentorship in the locker room, teaching them how to be a pro, uh, they've always – looked at those guys and wanted to keep them around so uh, we shouldn't be surprised that eric spolster pat riley and the group went after a guy like kevin love who they watched him during the years that uh, he was helping these youngsters learn how to win and learn how to grow as a team and they looked at it and said hey we need a little bit of help here let's see if this is a guy that can get it done my one hope is that the Cavs have no serious injuries to one of their big men up front mm-hmm. because as you mentioned jeff kevin would seem to me to be the perfect solution if you had an injury you had to turn to somebody he's got championship dna he's veteran been around a lot of years he can add to their rebounding can add to their perimeter game uh, he's been there before so you have to hope that that doesn't happen to them because they gave away that piece that might have been able to solve that problem. And now they've got to make do with what they have unless something comes along from another guy who's sitting out there that hasn't been signed in a while and decides he wants to play again and, uh, and go from there.
0: Kevin's injury situation, Mike, I, I don't think can be ignored in this, but I don't know that we know exactly what was bothering him and what was worse, and maybe when it all kicked in. And if you take a look at what he did by the month this year, and with Kevin, three-point shooting is a big deal. In six games in October, he shot 47% on threes. That's outstanding. In November, he hurt his thumb. On November 18th, he shot just under 36% on threes. In December, with that thumb still injured, 38% on threes. Then that back spasm situation kind of popped up, and that affected him in January when he shot 23% on three. So it it dropped significantly in January in 12 games played, and then he didn't play his final 12 games here. And if you just go by the numbers on, on the shooting percentage by the month, Mike, it screams that the thumb was a little bit of an issue, but the back spasms when they kicked in really turned it into an issue. And I wonder if time allows him to heal up a little bit and if he can go down there and find his shot and get it back. Clearly, in January, he didn't play you know the way that we've all seen him play and the way the Cavaliers needed him to play. He averaged a uh, season low 5.9 points a game in January. And, and that's not typical Kevin Love. So either the guy fell off the face of the earth ability-wise, Mike, which I don't think, I don't think you think, Miami Heat don't think, or that back is problematic and maybe the all-star break and not playing for 12 games allowed him to heal that thing up.
1: I think you've hit it right on the head that um, we don't know how severe his back was hurting. If that's the case it explains why the numbers dropped right. as dramatically as they did uh, at six, 10, six, in the paint, battling those big bodies night in and night out. I could see a guy might have a backache once in a while when he wakes up. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, Kevin's always done his job when he's out there and he's played with pain before and he's played with injuries before. And let's just hope that he goes to Miami and he can show them that they made a good decision, that he's a positive influence on uh, the team for the remaining games during the regular season. And, you know, them getting into the playoffs. Let's hope that there's no damage uh, to the Cavaliers' front line with injuries where they need a guy like a Kevin Love and that they can try and achieve as much
0: as they can with the group that they have. This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. He's Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach. I'm Jeff Phelps, a 92-3 the fan in Cleveland. Kevin Love goes to Miami in the buyout, Mike, and that leaves the Cavaliers' bench. I would say without a key guy, except for the fact that Kevin didn't play in 12 games before the All-Star break and the Cavaliers went about business without him. And in that situation, the Cavaliers went seven and one. I just used February as a point of reference and looking up some of the stuff here. Cavs went seven and one before the All-Star break. Those were all games in February. Kevin didn't play in any of them. And I kind of want to go over who contributed and how they might contribute and how do you like them as the Cavs move forward without Kevin. And and I, I think we all need to keep in mind this all happened without Kevin. They they chose not to play him in this, but that that's the way it went in February. The key guy off the bench was Karis Levert played a lot. Mike produced in in February in those eight games, he averaged only eight points, but was there with five rebounds, 4.3 assists, did a really nice job coming off the bench, and Karras would appear to be the sixth man, the key man, coming off the bench for the Cavaliers as they go through the rest of this season. No? Ricky Rubio's in that conversation too, but I think Karras is the Karras is the man.
1: Well, without question, I think you've got the order uh, exactly right, and uh, let's go back, first of all, to the statement about Kevin not playing in those games, uh, and the question I would say is, did he not play because the back spasms were concerned that he couldn't really get that thing on, you know, loosened up and he couldn't be a contributor? Or were they playing him because they knew that they were hoping that something came along that would be a good offer and they didn't want to get him injured mm-hmm. in one of those games and lose the possibility of trading him up to trade deadline? So we don't know the answer to that stuff. Uh, would they have possibly been able to get something picks down the road? Who knows what, but, I'm sure they looked at all of that to cover their bases, and then once nothing came through, they were agreeable to um, doing the deal that set him free, so that he could pick and choose a team uh, that he wanted to. But now, as you look at this team, you know Lavert so so important because Lavert could be a starter, and Lavert can be coming off the bench to be that valuable sixth man. Lavert could be a small forward. They could go with Garland and. Mitchell and Karis Lavert if they wanted to.
0: You don't. You don't have any issue with that, Mike. The isn't Isn't it, he, isn't he, it who he, you matched up against, Jeff? Yeah, it, I would. I would think so. And I, I would think. He, I think he's six foot six. He's he's long enough. He can play most small forwards. Can he not?
1: Jumps well. Very athletic. Long arms. At six six, who's the matchup? Who's the small forward on the other team that you have to match up against? You know, is is it a Mark Aguirre? Uh, Adrian Dantley, small forward, where maybe he's got a little problem holding his ground with him, or is it a small forward who, you know, 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", which an inch or two, when you have the great athleticism and length that Karras has, his ability to put it on the floor can create shots for both Donovan and Darius. Both of them can move, fade to open spots, and he can get them the ball so they have open looks at the basket without them having to handle it. That's if they want to go that way. Or they can take a a Dean Wade, play him in the front line, leave Mitchell and, and Garland in the backcourt, and go with that big front line that they had earlier in the year. Or they've got their traditional small forwards, you know, Okoro and Stevens and Osmond, and th- there's a plethora of bodies that size that they have there that they can use on a given night. So I think they're covered Pretty well, I think they have depth. If Jetty plays like Jetty played in the beginning of the year,
0: yeah,
1: you know he's a three-point maker. He's out on the fast break. He can get him a couple of transition buckets. O'Coro Stevens, the physicalness at the small forward position—they're going to be open. They're going to have shots that they can take. It's whether or not they make them or not. And we may not be in the category of the L.A. Clippers as far as depth goes with experience to go along with that depth. However, that's what you build on. That's what you add to. And, you know, I've heard Kobe Altman more than once talk about you can't have experience until you go through it. You've got to get there first. You've got to go through the games. and Then you can say, we've got four, we've got seven games of experience in playoffs. So we've got two rounds under our belts in playoffs. And then it's something to fall back on. But until you get there and do it, you don't have very much to fall back on. You have to count on your veteran leadership to get you through those times.
0: Mike, I I would think if you had to count on Ricky Rubio, you'd really have your fingers crossed because of coming back from that ACL. But with Darius and with Donovan Mitchell starting and playing a lot of minutes uh, in five games in February, Ricky played in five. He played about 20 minutes a game and was really good. 7.4 Seven point four points, four point eight assists. That's okay, isn't it? I I don't know that you can expect him to do more. And, and honestly, with with Darius and Donovan, I don't know that he's going to get the playing time to do more. So I, I would think you're in great shape with Ricky.
1: Do you think JB would return to a nine or ten man rotation? Then you could have Karis Karis Lavert and Ricky in the backcourt with the second unit. Yeah. If you if you're not rotating them through that first unit. And, yeah, you can sub him earlier, you can bring him a little bit later, depending on how deep he wants to go. And that will all depend on the trust that he has in the guys that he's putting out there because you got to win games if you want to stay in this race for home court advantage, if you want to move up the ladder, and if you want to win in the first round. And, and that's what he's going to be looking at now, these final 20, 21, 22 games of which combination of people work best for us, which combination gives us our best best chance to win and which guys deserve eight to 10 minutes versus 18 to 22 minutes on the floor
0: does it bother you at all is it a concern at all that a guy that I I think was a great pickup by the Cavaliers Danny Green uh, and he's coming off an ACL he's played in four games all year one with the Cavs he played in that Sixers game right before the break but that he and Karras kind of play the same spot they play it differently Mike but I would think you could pencil each guy in as a as a backup at the two spot or some minutes at small forward. Is that a problem that they're the same? You know, kind of focused in the same spot on the floor.
1: No, I kind of like what JB did as far as putting him right in uh, to to the hot water on that first night uh, with you Philadelphia, did. and it was like, wow, he signed and here he is in the game, and it gave him a chance to. Start to get familiar with his teammates. It gave them a chance to see what he's all about in case they had not followed him during his career. And, you know, you're pulling for this guy because we understand what a great shooter he's always been. And he certainly can always use shooting. And he's a guy who's willing to stick his nose in at the defensive end and try and take someone on the other team out of the game with his defense. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, this is, it's not an easy decision for a head coach as your team gets deeper because you're adding more pieces that think they're supposed to play. How are you going to get them in there? How are you going to do it without taking minutes away from your key guys? You're Donovan Mitchells, you're Darius Garland. So, you know, how many minutes can you take away from them to satisfy the new additions to your team? So all that is part of the problem. I think the only way you can try, attempt to handle that is through communication. And as you know, Jeff, we, we've seen Uh, another coaching casualty uh, in the league and that's with Nate McMillan being released by the Atlanta Hawks and uh, I I feel very badly. I I have a special uh, connection to Atlanta because it was my first head coaching job and I had so many friends over the years from Atlanta and love the fans, the people in Atlanta and then Nate comes in when they're in trouble and he rescues them and bails them out and you know, turns him around and into uh, doing a lot of damage in the playoffs. And I thought he did a terrific job. And now, as you listen to the talk shows, as you read the media stuff, people are trying to turn it into uh, Trey Young versus Nate McMillan. And that yeah. it came down to that. I don't know if that's what it came down to. Uh, I'm not privy to the inside information, but it's a shame that we have to have a portrayed that way, and it's a shame that a guy like Nate McMillan, just the ultimate in class professionalism, loses his job. They've been teetering back and forth around the 500 mark all season, but you're getting rid of him. Why? Because he forgot how to coach now? And mm-hmm. you know th- those are the things that we don't know. We don't know the workings of what went on if you listen to the talk shows, and if you follow certain media things that have been written, uh, they, they're trying to make it sound like Trey Young went in and asked them to remove Nate McMillan from the job. We don't know if that ever happened, no. but
0: Trey's catching the brunt of it right now. Uh, our mutual friend, Joe Prunty, former Cavs assistant, assistant with you and international teams. Uh, Joe is taking over on an interim basis, and the thought there is that they're going to look – uh, with Landry Fields now as the GM, uh, they're going to look for the full-time replacement during the season. I I hope Joe gets a chance. Quinn Snyder's name has been mentioned there. A couple of other names have been mentioned there. I, well,
1: you'll you wanna... excuse me, Jeff. I'm no, sorry no to go ahead. But, but besides – look, Joe is an excellent, excellent coach.
0: Isn't he, though? I thought he did a really nice job filling in for Jason Kidd in Milwaukee. I, I wish he would have gotten that job.
1: Well, I'm, you know, I hope that he does a really good job. Uh, with the Atlanta team. And besides Quinn Snyder, you know, they're talking about I- Ime Udoka, uh, could be uh, another one of the choices that maybe yeah. you look at. Uh, Udoka, Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder comes with pretty good credentials for the job that he did uh, in Salt Lake City with the Utah Jazz. And I'm trying to remember who the third name was that I. There was a third name uh, that. That's kind of come up in that conversation. But oh Charles Lee. Uh, no, how about uh Ken Kenny Atkinson?
0: Yeah. Who did Former a very, Nets coach.
1: Very good job with the Nets. And then yeah. sitting next to Steve Kerr in Golden State right now. So those are three of the names that are being thrown around right now.
0: You're listening to Basketball Gold with Jeff Phelps and the head coach of the Eastern Conference All-Stars in 1988 along with the Hawks, Cavaliers, Grizzlies, of course, uh, and color analyst with the Clippers and the Cavaliers, Mr. Mike Fratello. 1988 All-Star Game. Came to mind this weekend, Mike, as I watched the All-Star stuff in Salt Lake City. And, and I'll readily admit, I didn't watch a ton of it, but I watched enough to know that I was not thoroughly entertained by the game. And, and let's start with the game on this. The, the game itself has become... Something Michael Malone, who coached Team LeBron in the game, said, uh, honor to be here, honor to be included. And this was absolutely the worst basketball game ever played. And I I had to laugh when Michael said that. Michael's a pretty direct guy and, and always liked Michael from dealing with him here in Cleveland when he was with the Cavaliers. And I agreed with him completely. Anybody who drove to the basket, it was like, well, I'll move in the direction defensively and then you can just go ahead and go. Mike, something's got to give in this game. But I don't know what they do, you know. But the whole injury aspect of it, like in the Pro Bowl and football, they don't hit anymore and they don't even play the game anymore because of of injury. And I would say the same thing about basketball, except guys driving to the basket and trying all these fancy dunks and everything else, well, you're just as liable to get hurt doing that as you are playing some defense, aren't you?
1: It could happen. And I, I understand the players aware of and concerned about if a serious injury could take place but as you and I both know you can seriously injure yourself walking down the steps in your home exactly uh, there's no telling when an Achilles tendon could pop getting out of bed in the morning you put your foot down the wrong way and your Achilles can very easily pop it's it's a shame because we, you know, we had so many years of great games with guys who were really competitive, the money at that time, the money that they would get for winning the All-Star game, the team that won, they they could use that money because the salaries had not skyrocketed yet to the point where they are right now. Um, a guy on the radio the other day mentioned, and I, I'm not sure he can get this to happen, uh, but he mentioned the fact that he said, listen, I'm from the inner city. I grew up in the inner city, and I've been in hundreds of playground games. He said, well, they got it wrong was don't make people believe that that's how they play on the playground. It's <laughs> the exact opposite. He said they play hard on the playground because if you get knocked out, you may never get back on again that day on the court. So yeah, winner one, stays, you, right? Yeah, winner stays. So, number one, you're playing to stay because you want to stay on for X number of games, you hope. So you've got to play as hard as you can. Then he said, and the next thing I would do if I could do it, I'd say to each guy who made the All-Star team put up 25,000 or 50,000 somewhere near of your money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Winner take all in the game. He said then you'd see some basketball. He said you'd see guys <laughs> playing hard, you'd see guys playing the way the game should be played and I don't know if you can get in 25 or 50,000 of yeah. them, but I agree with the statement that they would play hard if it was their money.
0: Yeah. Hey, welcome to the game. Congratulations. You've been voted in. Now where's your 25 or 50 grand? I kind of like that. Uh, On Saturday, Mike, they had the skills competition. A couple of former Cavs involved in that Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton winning it with Utah. Uh, The threes competition. Always, I've always enjoyed the three point competition and seeing who shoots and who shoots well. And the dunk contest this year, was saved by a guy who's played in two NBA games and was really terrific. Mac McClung did a great job. He was wildly entertaining and and did a great job and didn't miss a dunk, which I actually liked. And I, I just wonder about that though, because you bring in a guy from the G league and he saves the slam dunk contest. Let's go back to 1988 when you were coaching the Eastern conference all stars and On game day, you're coaching Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins. The day before, they were in the slam dunk contest. And so you had the elite guys in the game in the slam dunk contest participating in all the Saturday stuff. Do they need to go back to that? Do they need to change anything up? And and again, I don't know the answer to this. It's a celebration of the game. But man, uh, other than a guy from the G League coming up and winning the slam dunk going away... It hasn't been real exciting in a long time but Jordan against Dominique that's that's pretty exciting
1: and either one of those two could have won that uh, on that Saturday night in Chicago uh you know I was a little bit prejudiced because it was Dominique and he was no. on my team he was my guy and, you know, and <laughs> really respons- Mike <laughs> responsible for most of the wins that we had gotten um you know and then there was a- along
0: with good coaching. Along yeah, with him, well, George? I don't know about that, but then yeah, Darth, Vader, that.
1: Darth Vader was on the other team, okay, the, <laughs> the hometown Chicago Bull, Yeah. okay, guy who um, obviously had the crowd behind him, and uh, they were both spectacular. And the next day, carried over into the All-Star game. Dominique very easily could have won the MVP of the All-Star game. He had 27 in that game and played really well, except Michael had 40 in that game, yeah. and again, it was in Chicago. So he was the MVP. So um, they played, though they played, they played hard. Uh, those rosters that we had, oh my goodness, how many Hall of Famers did you have on those? The, the East and the West combined. You had Kareem and Magic on the other team. On our our team, we had Dominique and Bird and Barkley and Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, you know, it, it just oh, a, a who's loaded? Who. Yeah, yeah, just
0: loaded. And You're I'm starting not... five, Isaiah, Jordan, Dominique, Bird, Moses, Malone. That's not a bad group. I... Wouldn't you like to take that, that crew into action? <laughs> that Mike, I, hope I didn't ruin them. <laughs> I, I don't think you did. The score of your game was 138 to 133. So that's not your typical defensive effort of the era. It's a lot of points, but it's nothing like 190 points on the board. Did When, when you, in that game... Did the guys make an effort to play defense? Did when it got tight late, when it got competitive, were they picking it up and going after the defensive end of the floor, or or how did that play out?
1: I think it turned it on as the game went further on into the game, and and yeah, in the fourth quarter for sure, uh, they were playing because uh, I th- I think it was Michael that said to the, the Eastern team before we walked out, he said, "Hey, let's win this thing, you know, <laughs> he won- let's pick mm. up the check, let's win this thing," so. Yeah, we actually, uh, Jeff, and you may remember, I think I told this to you, I actually had printed up a page of offense, a page of defense, so that, how are we going to handle pick and rolls on the side? How are we going to handle pick and rolls at the top of the circle? I knew they had magic. I knew they had cream. I had the feeling they'd run that a few times during the course of the game. Yeah, so we wanted to give them, you know, everything, everybody wasn't switching everything back then, okay? It was a little different back then, so the, uh, the idea of at least having a concept that we could all play by I was hoping would be a little bit of an advantage and I dropped an envelope off in everybody's room before they got in town before they checked in. there was a brown envelope waiting for them they went in and I'm, sh- I'm sure it's just what they wanted to read that night was <laughs> the offensive and defensive page and then <laughs> then the morning of the shoot around or practice okay uh, the day before the game, is when I, I went up to Bird, we were just kind of walking out onto the court, and I I said to Bird, well, what do you want to do? He said, what do you mean? I said, about practice. So he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I'd like to practice. He said, then let's practice. So we had a practice. We finished the practice, and we finished up with a shooting drill. You only have two baskets. You got 12 guys. So we had this one drill we called the 55-second drill with, three guys in one corner at each end of the floor, you split them up, divide them up. And you see how many shots you can make within the 55 seconds. That night is the night that bird shot the last ball, the money ball yeah, and held up his finger and turned and walked away. It, and the ball goes in and he wins the three point cut. This happened to be standing on the end of the court on the baseline where he walked off, and as you walked by, he looked he said, must have been your shooting drills, and then he kept right on walking. <laughs> I laughed so
0: hard. <laughs> That's fun. I, I like that a lot. True story. True story. I, I would love to see – I mean, the, the players in the league are so great. You know, then, today, I would just like to see a more competitive all-star game because how often do you get the best of the game going at each other? And And, again, the, the injury situation – you you could get hurt, you know, jumping and everything else. But it's still a great thing to have the best in the game celebrating the game, Mike, and that's what they did in Utah.
1: Maybe there's maybe you have you think of some rules like there's no chase down blocks, so you're not running from behind somebody going up to block it, hitting him from behind. Yeah. He crashes into the stanchion, or if the guy's coming at you, you're under the basket. You well, you block a shot. I mean, that's you know, it's all part of the game. So maybe a couple things that you put in like that to try and help uh, that somebody doesn't get reckless out there trying to run somebody down. You know, it doesn't become a Pete Rose what Fosse, Fosse? You know, collision yeah collision at the plate. But um, I'd love to see them playing where where they really are going at it.
0: Yeah, me too. Enjoy the second half of the season, sir, and uh, enjoy your birthday coming up in a couple of days.
1: Thank you, and I promise I will shave for my upcoming <laughs> game out in uh, my first one is out in Los Angeles, and I come back and I have Cleveland up in Boston. Nice. Uh, so I have two two games out, uh, one in L.A. with the Clippers, then to Denver with the Clippers, then back to Boston, Cleveland at Boston on the on I think it's uh, March first.
0: So looking forward to it. I'm sure the Clipper folks watching on television will appreciate that you shave. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And happy birthday. He's Mike Fratello. I'm Jeff Phelps. And this has been basketball gold. This has been basketball gold brought to you by bedway.com Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem. 1-800-GAMBLER.